Welcome to No Compromises, a peek into the mind of two old web devs who have seen some things. This is Joel. And this is Aaron. We have been talking throughout all these past 20 plus episodes, mainly on development topics and uh, things that would pertain to your general Laravel slash PHP developer. But uh, we had kind of planned maybe doing a few special episodes, very special. A very special, special episode <laughs> of No Compromises. That's that's maybe less that and more how we work on projects. And while there'll, there'll be some overlap with development topics, this a lot of it will be more process and maybe even a little business oriented. And so if you're listening to this and you do independent programming slash consulting slash development, you might find this interesting. If you are somebody that has thought about working with us, this might be eye-opening and scare you away completely or not. You might love us. Or maybe maybe you work on a team and um, some of these things will apply in principle perhaps, but maybe you've considered doing some moonlighting side business type work. So we're, we're going to th- share some topics um, over a few episodes and hopefully everybody finds it useful. So I, I'm a very, my, my brain works in a very linear fashion. And so when we start this topic, I thought to start at the very beginning of the process as I see it, which is deciding whether or not I even want to do a project. Right. And so that might sound kind of like a diva, like I yeah, only Mr. Work. Mr. Fancy here <laughs> gets to decide what projects he does. Right. No. Um, but the reality is, is um, when you're when you're doing work for other people and you're independent, you have the choice. Like, do do I want to work with them or not? And so I thought I'd walk through like a couple of different metrics that you and I have come up with over the years we've worked together uh, to help us make that decision. And, and I'll even preface it by saying, like, none of these are absolute rules. We've we've bent or broke some of these rules in the past for a variety of reasons, but we'll try to cover the nuance here. So Before kind of, we get into that, I, yeah. I wanted to kind of like interject a little bit because I, I know that if I was listening to this the first time, I would already be a little stuck right now when you talk about, oh, you get to pick who you want to work with. <laughs> right. Um, because uh, these are with some caveats. Like, first of all, sometimes you don't always have the best ability to pick. It kind of depends on how you've been doing your budgeting, mm-hmm. what's come up in life, what's in your bank account. So <laughs> sure. w- yeah. what I don't like is when people talk about like these great setups of like, oh, this is how I do business. They never address. Like sometimes everything just sucks and you got to do what you got to do. And so we're not, you know, in our careers, we've not been above that. We've had to do that sometimes Mm -hmm. too. Uh, Mm -hmm. And you never know that might happen again in the future. And and then, you know, the second thing is this is just some sort of, these are some sort of steps that we go through and we try to keep, you know, these steps in mind. Sometimes it's also emotional. And yeah. sometimes, sometimes it's not a great client, but you really like the project. So you're just going to do it anyway, or vice <laughs> right. versa too. Like it, mm-hmm. everything looks fine, but you just feel off about it or something. Yeah. So I just wanted to address those the first two things before we get into it is that this, uh, this isn't just like a perfect world s- scenario. We do mm-hmm. understand that sometimes you just got, you got to, you got to eat the sand sometimes. I'm not familiar with that expression, but uh, yes. I don't know. <laughs> I, I couldn't think of anything that's not like incredibly profane. <laughs> oh, okay. All right. So it's the censored oh, version. 
Yeah, but no, that, that's a that's a good point because there's it's easy to get into the trap of like this is the ideal scenario and this is what you should do in all cases. Like, <laughs> but you're you're admitting, and I'll admit the same. We we don't follow us 100, but they're guidelines. And I'll point out your guidelines may be different where you draw these lines, but I think there's still valuable questions you should think through as an individual or as a company or even as a team if you're if you're taking on projects as a team. So, can I, can uh, I make one other argument? One hundred percent. Yes. <laughs> before we get into it, okay. Uh, on the on the flip side, one thing I've heard people tell too when they get really, when they seem to get like in the groove of things, they say don't 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 pick bad clients because there's the opportunity cost. So if you mm-hmm. are stuck with a client that you don't prefer, you won't be available to say yes to the right client. Um, sure, they don't. Yeah. They don't always phrase it that way. It's usually less, like somehow mystical. Like if you have bad people in your life, then the good ones won't be drawn to you, which uh-huh. I don't believe in that. Um, but I, I can say that um, it's been a great fear of mine. Me and Joel have talked about this many times too. Like if I turn this down, I don't know where the next client's coming from, but yeah. I do know that this is probably a bad idea. So I'm going to take it a little bit on, I guess, the faith that I have that everything's going to work out fine and just say no. And surprisingly, uh, you know, I don't want to like have to knock on wood here or whatever, but uh, surprisingly that's turned out as people have told me it's going to turn out, which is good. So you haven't died yet is what you're saying. Yeah. I, turning I, down I, the I, job. Have, I have yet to have died. <laughs> and and I will, I'll add to that. Like I, even many years into doing this, I still have that fear every once in a while of saying no to something for those reasons you just cited. So it, mm-hmm. I think a lot of people could relate to that. It's like, ah, yeah. but, but it's, it's money and it's work. And I, I like yeah. eating. Yeah. Yeah. I just, I just wanted to cover those couple of things before we got into it, because yeah. that's, that's always been my pet peeve and like where I've turned off like shows like this, when they're like, let's tell you about how to qualify clients. You're like, sometimes you just can't, but yeah, sometimes <laughs> you enough. just can't, or sometimes yeah. you'll have to, and you just have to, it's going to be okay. Yeah. But that's anyway, sorry, let's get into it. All right, so here, here's my my thought process and kind of here's how you and I work. The very first question is, do I want to work with this client? And the client could be an individual or it could be a company. And um, there might be a couple of reasons we would answer yes or no. And some of it boils down to like communication style, personality. What do they do? You know, is it a company that does something that you just like are morally opposed to, or is it a company that does something that you love and is like right up your alley? So that might seem like a, a weird thing to mention first, but to me, it's it's kind of like an easy pass fail test. And so it, it's hard to get a sense for this over an email or you know any sort of text communication. But this is where sort of an exploratory call helps a lot. You can just get a feel right away, like boy, this, this person is just completely opposite to the way I like to work. And it, that might be right away a sign like, no, this, this just isn't going to work out. I I can put that in concrete terms. Yeah. Um, But don't name names. (laughs) Right. Right. Uh, No, if, um, if I have a lead and I send them like a Calendly link or some sort of Mm -hmm. automated tooling, um, they schedule the call and they get on a zoom call on video and we have a chat. That's almost 95% of what I need. Uh, right, if, yeah. through, if, if throughout that process, they're unable to do any of those steps, they don't know how to do a calendar invite or they can't get Zoom working or something like that. I probably am not going to like them as a client. Um, I'm yeah. just, in, one of my choices is, that, is I don't want to have clients I have to babysit. 
Yeah. Yeah. Or, or, you know, like uh lack of attention to detail, you know, mm-hmm. you, you send them the calendar link and they send back, Hey, can we do it Tuesday at three? It's like, you could click the link I sent you and you could see if that works. Cause yeah, I mean, not, not again, not that we're like a diva where like, Oh, they didn't do things exactly my way, but these are smells early on. Like, is this yeah. person in invested in working with me? So that's, that's sort of round one. Then, then round two, where I would kind of make a decision is, do I want to work on this project? So generally when a client meets you or gets introduced to you or referred to you or whatever, um, they have a specific project in mind. Now, the, the thing they may have in mind may be scoped differently. We may you know, pick a smaller piece of that or recommend something else. But in general, they have a project in mind, whether it's a, a software product that exists, they need help on or something they want to build from scratch. Um, but that's another place too. kind of the same questions like, do I want to work with this client? Do I want to work on this project? If it's an app for, I, I don't know, like, um, if it's an what, app, <laughs> okay. I'm using app in the generic <laughs> term, but, but you know, if it's, if it's something that is totally not something we care about, or we know is going to fail. I mean, there, there's all sorts of reasons we might just, the client's great. We'd have no problem working with them, but this project just like, it seems like a bad idea. Or it seems like something we'd, we'd really not be a good fit for. Along with what you're saying, I guess I would say I look at the project that they have for me and I determine if there is any kind of wiggle room in this. Mm-hmm. And I'll give an example too, is uh, a lot of times people come to me with a specific project in mind, you know, like you said. Um, but they won't, they, they'll kind of be, they might not have unit tests available or they might not, you know, have some sort of, they might not have their code in version control or yeah. something like that. And so yep. the way I look at it is like, is there some wiggle room in this project? Because um, from my, how I do my projects, I have to have a certain number of different things in place that, that signified a level of quality of output I have. That's, no. you know, that's, that's version control and unit tests and stuff. So if, if we're having that conversation and the answer is no, you can't, it's not going to be in version control ever, or no, you can't spend time to work on unit tests or whatever, then that that's probably not a project that I feel comfortable putting my name on. Yeah, that, that's a fair point. I know as we were talking about a few topics to discuss, we might even have a whole episode dedicated to getting up to speed in a legacy project but you're right if if out of the gate they're like no we absolutely will not do that that's not worth it to us or nobody else on the team will write tests like that it, it could very well be a deal breaker uh early on as well sort of the next layer in so the uh the client and the project seem okay is the tech stack and there's a couple of reasons i think this is important not that we inherently feel like one technology is better than another. But the reality is you can only know so many technologies. So you and I have chosen to specialize and focus on Laravel projects, specifically products that maybe are longer lived with a team of developers behind them. That's not to say we couldn't work in a Symphony project or whatever, but that's not our, our chosen tech stack. And so there, there's trade-offs by saying, oh yeah, I'll, I, I can figure that out, or I know that, or I used to do that in the past. If it's not our ideal tech stack, then is is it something we want to get involved with? And 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 I know recently we even decided, is it a mobile app? Well, the answer is no. 
because you can build those with web technologies like Vue and, and, and things that, that we do know well and are part of our chosen tech stack. But it's just this whole other ecosystem and sphere of knowledge that you have to have and all the different hurdles and things like that. And we just said, you know what, we're not, we're not doing it anymore. That's not, it's not worth the pain for us coming in, uh, doing occasional mobile app projects. Like let, let's focus on web apps. That's where our, our expertise is. That's where we can have the most impact. There's other people that can do these, these mobile apps. We don't have to grab after every project. Mm-hmm. I think, I think, you know, the tech stack too, there are some, you know, steps, iterations, like you mentioned, you could do a mobile app because it has, you know, you could be using the same technologies. Mm-hmm. So we have done that. And that was our, you know, our reason to do this because it's using the same technology. And I've, I've, I've worked in client with clients that actually the whole project was a node app. Mm-hmm. That's, that's JavaScript. And I, I know JavaScript and I've been doing that for a while. Um, but I just never did Ruby and I never, never did .NET. You know, it's just, those are two things I haven't done. Um, and so if someone's like, well, I just have this quick, uh, you know, Ruby thing to do. Sorry, it's just not me. Like, yeah. I, I, I'm just, it's, it's not me. Well, and, and a nice side effect of this is, is instead of just saying no, if over the years you network with people and like, maybe you do know a .NET developer or a Ruby agency, like making that introduction, like, hey, I, I don't do mm-hmm. this, but I can introduce you to somebody. Another nice benefit. Number one, it's easier to say no if you give them somebody else to talk to. But number two, that other agency or consultant or whoever that gets the referral, they're going to love that. And you know what? They might come back to you when it's a PHP Laravel app and that's not their specialty. And so I, I learned early on that there really doesn't need to be competition, <laughs> even within a small community of developers, like just cooperate, like share, share work around. There's plenty to go around. Everybody, everybody's going to keep uh, food on their table. It's not a big problem. Well, and that client too, what, what they found was even though you couldn't help them, you're someone that can help. Mm-hmm. And so, well, hopefully they won't bother you for everything. They, they do have in their mind that maybe you weren't the one for them, but that you're a good person if they happen to know anyone who's looking for XYZ, because they know that, you know, XYZ being what you're good at, because they know that you'll pass off things you're not good at. You're not just there to try to suck money out of everyone. Yeah, absolutely. The, uh, the last point I wanted to bring up, and I think this might be the hardest for developers, maybe it's just a, a Joel thing, but I, I suspect not, is do I have the time for this project? Because I most of the time somebody approaches you with a project, you already have existing commitments, you're already working on existing projects. And so even if I could, t- especially if it ticks all the boxes that like, yeah, this would be great to work on. If the final box is like, yeah, we wanna start on this at the first of the month. And I know I'm booked up for two to three months, I can't say yes to that. Like that's, that's a way to set yourself up for stress, overwork. Uh, it's really a, a bad way to kick off a relationship with a client to overpromise and underdeliver. Mm-hmm. But that's, that's real. I mean, that's to this day is probably the one I struggle with the most is trying to balance what I think I can do and what the reality is like, Oh, I think this other project will be done in a week. No, you probably have a month of work left on it and not, not being too eager to say yes to something and end up extremely overworked. And I think a little insight into how Joel and I work, <laughs> uh, which if you've been listening for a while, you probably have a, an idea how this works, but Joel will be like, Hey, yeah, let's do this. And I'll be like, hold on a second, Joel. Let's, let's just think real quick. What are our commitments? And then, you know, I get to be the bad guy a lot of times, but, uh, 
no, it's it's a good point you made there. Um, I would say it's it's not only the time commitment, mm-hmm. um, but you know, going all all back into like what is my what does my pocketbook look like? Yeah. And should should I just you know I really need you know money for whatever. Uh, uh, I need money for school, or I need money for a pool, or I need money for food, whatever it is, right? Yeah. And and, and looking at that and being like, you know, is it ethical to take someone's money if I can't do yeah. the thing? Yeah, absolutely. So if you can cross all of those hurdles, you too can work with us. <laughs> no, that's not that's not the the reason we're sharing this. But just just think through that process, you know. Uh, and maybe maybe there's other things that are important to you that we didn't cover, but you you have those in mind when you're deciding whether or not to take on a project. The other day, a package arrived, and um, that's not that unusual in this household. There's people ordering stuff all the time. But what was different this time is it was addressed to one of my younger sons, who was eight. And so he saw his name and it was like on a big heavy box. And he got really excited. Like, mm. what's in the box? Right. So we opened it and it was school books. And <laughs> just, just to set the stage, it's in the middle of the summer. So the furthest thing from his mm-hmm. mind is like the next school year. So that was a massive disappointment to him. But in the box, the other, th- other thing that uh, I saw is they have th- this list of school supplies you have to buy. And it is pretty ridiculous. There's all sorts of like really oddly specific things on the school supply list. Like you know, two specific- yellow folders? Two, yes, two yellow folders or like seven envelopes. Like, <laughs> <laughs> okay. Or things like, you know, four boxes of tissue. You know, just, just weird stuff. In fact, this one, because we're doing homeschooling this year, they have other things. It would be like a lime. Like, okay, should I buy that lime now for what school starts at three months? And <laughs> so it was just, it was just kind of weird. But even um, I, the other thing too, is like, we were in at the store and they already have like all the back to school stuff set up. And I just like, it's, it's so <laughs> depressing to be a kid in the middle of summer, peak of mm-hmm. summer. And like, everybody's already thinking about school, like the summer's over. So Aaron, do you, do you have any, uh, memories of bizarre back to school rituals or supply lists or anything like that, that you had to deal well, with as a kid. Yeah. I do remember the weird things. Cause my mom was always so upset. Cause it was like, well, we were very poor, like, like extremely. Um, and like one of the things, the school thing was like, um, Oh, they need two notebooks, but they must be like college ruled. Okay. Um, and all we all basically last year after, after, after school was done, she went and bought, um, all like, you know, then, then they put like the notebooks down like five cents. And so she yeah, went like super cheap, yeah. 15 of them, but they were all wide ruled. And I just remember her like, like just being so angry. Um, and she's like, no, you're getting the wide ruled ones and that's it. And like, then being a kid being like scared to go to school the first week too. Cause yep. I'm like, I have the wrong notebooks and, and the teacher's like, I don't care. You know, <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't matter. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, it's, it's weird when you think about things from school though, like the importance and I'm not sure if this is like for all of our listeners, but it was for at least probably a lot of people in the United States, um, the importance and the excitement of having your own desk <laughs> and inside yep. your desk, when you lift up the top was all of your stuff. Mm-hmm. And it was this like rectangle and you got to keep your stuff in there. And then when people would like move around in the desk and then someone would like sit down at your desk, you're like, you mm-hmm. better not open that. You better <laughs> not open stuff. that. Yeah. You better not look in there. 
or like we would move around and then people would like put like gum wrappers in it and so you'd open it up and you have three gum wrappers after the day like oh you jerk but i i think one of the things um that really stuck with me was this is how i learned my entrepreneurial spirit oh because i learned that uh we could go to fleet farm which is uh, basically like a, a farm store. Um, and they had really, really, really cheap candy by bulk there. And so as a young kid, I would save up all my money. and I'd buy some really cheap candy. My mom was a little upset. I told her, no, I'm taking it to school for my friends. She said, oh, okay, that's good. No, I was not taking it to school for my friends. I was <laughs> taking it to school so I could barter after Christmas oh. because we didn't celebrate Christmas. And when I'd go to Christmas, and remember, again, we were very poor. And so I didn't have like a lot of nice clothes or anything like that. And then these kids would come to school and they'd be upset uh, because, oh, for Christmas, all I got was some brand new socks. And I'd be like, do you want maybe six uh, Jolly Ranchers uh, for a pair of socks? Instead of your socks? (laughs) Yeah. And so I would literally like get socks off kids (laughs) in the classroom for like six or seven pieces of candy. And then my mom would be like, where did you get these Hanes themed brand socks? Like it was a gift from a friend. (laughs) What? kids buy each other socks all the time that's totally yeah yeah normal. <laughs> like, no it was it's not a gift it cost me six jelly ranchers <laughs> but the price was worth it <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> and i just imagine like if if that kid went home and his, his mom and dad were like where's your socks yep. <laughs> uh, I, I lost them I was just thinking the other day, Joel, wouldn't it be great if there was a book that covered the ins and outs of validation in Laravel? Well, there is, and you know that because you helped write it. Oh, that's right. Nocompromises.io slash book. Is that it? That's it. 